Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You're listening to KTAEAM Elgin, K270CO Round Rock. We are the Horn. The Horn. Don't miss the Hot Tub and Swim Spa Blowout Expo this weekend at the Travis County Expo Center. Browse over 40 hot tubs from major brands at huge savings this weekend at the Travis County Expo Center. Guests on the horn appear courtesy of the Vaqueros Cafe and Cantina Hotline. Vaqueros now delivers and offers curbside pickup. For info on placing your lunch or dinner order, visit vaqueroscafe.com. The Hook em Up with E and Rod B Playoff Recap Show on the Horn is presented by Hayes City Store and the Taste on Main. Oh, man, good morning to you. Happy New Year. Longhorn season comes to an end last night here in New Orleans. 37-31 final. Uh, the Washington Huskies checked a lot of boxes last night. Longhorns fought to the end, but in the end, it was the uh, the team that played better last night for 60 minutes of football advancing to the college football playoff. That would be Washington. They will face Michigan, who survived their game with Alabama 27-20 in overtime. Both games, we thought going in, these are the, the most even matchups we've seen in a college football playoff four-team scenario. And, boy, uh, both, both games went to the final play of the game uh, with Michigan getting a big stop after they took a 27-20 lead in their overtime. And they get the big stop of Jalen Milrow. Uh, play call we can talk about that didn't seem like it uh, gave a lot of options. Uh, but in the end, Michigan gets the stop. They will head to Houston. And then uh, the Longhorns had an opportunity. Uh, to punch in a, a potentially game and go-ahead touchdown on yep. uh, the final plays of the game and uh, came up shy. And uh, uh, so disappointment. We're also talking about the entire 60 minutes where Washington played the better game last night. Longhorns might have been the more talented team that felt like if they could have gotten out of their own way, but Rod Babers really could not do that uh, last night. Too many mistakes for Texas and too much Michael Penix for the Huskies. Yeah, those mistakes were, were early, right? Early and often. They started out with, with a penalty on offense and a penalty on defense in that game. Yep. Uh, thought they may have been pre, you know, kind of just jitters, obviously, for a team, a young team, relatively young, inexperienced, playing uh, on a big stage, uh, playing a game of that magnitude. But it wasn't actually. It was more foreshadowing of things to come that this team, as uh, Patrick pointed out, they were undisciplined. And that was one of the advantages that uh, the football uh, culture uh, that uh, that Texas had has really benefited them in that regard in terms of them being a disciplined team for most of the season. Uh, that was not the case in this game. Uh, Washington was definitely the more disciplined team, and that showed. Uh, it showed offensively, defensively. Texas had a couple of coverage busts um, as well uh, that we haven't talked about. But I don't know if it, that those coverage busts did not <laughs> make or break uh, the secondary's performance in, in terms of their pass defense, but in terms of the discipline. I saw some some undisciplined play back there from the secondary too. Uh, Texas just didn't play their A game, and you got to be able to win without playing your A game. Um, but in this situation, when you're going up against Washington, when Michael Penix um, is playing at you know at, at an elite level in that performance, and when you have two. Uh, receivers who are going to play in the NFL. I think all three of those guys will play in the NFL. Two of them go for 100 yards. And Braylon Trice, who we repeatedly said, you got to have a plan to block Braylon Trice. Got to have a plan to block Braylon Trice. They did not have a plan to block Braylon Trice. (laughs) With two sacks, a tackle for loss. uh, He had a forced fumble in that game. I mean, he just went. So in in the two times he's played Texas, he's got four sacks. Guys. Texas going up against multiple first-round NFL edge rushers and defensive ends. Will Anderson, Felix Nudike Uzoma, uh, Will McDonald is another one, uh, Tyree Wilson. I mean, hell, Dallas Turner, who they played in Alabama, he might get drafted in the first round. He's another one. 
none of those dudes came even close to the production of Berlin Trice. No, and I'll go on the other side. I have to rewatch and kind of watch for this, but every time I looked for it, they were doubling to Vondre Sweat as well when they're bringing a four-man rush. And that's why you saw that the safety blitzes and Anthony, and they just trusted that Michael Penix was going to get away from those extra guys coming. But they basically, you know, they let Byron Murphy come, and he made some big plays. But as many times I looked, especially on big downs, they doubled to Vondre and basically said, you will not be a factor that is going to stop us from winning this game. Yep. And if Byron Murphy beats us, and if you get another guy and, and Penix can't get away from then so be it. But we're not going to let him come straight up the middle and bust these pockets on us. Not that dude. Yeah, and, and you know, the, Byron Murphy had a couple opportunities to get to, to get to Michael uh, Penix, and uh, he he avoided it. We talk about his elite w- ability to move in the pocket and avoid sacks. Uh, Longhorns, it was just a frustrating night. I think that would be the overall adjective I would put on it. There were, you know, so many opportunities to, to get Michael Penix on the ground and force a negative play that he avoided. He's very good at that. We knew going in, but that's frustrating. The penalties were frustrating. The tip balls were frustrating. Uh, and then at the end of the game, uh, even though because, you know, Washington played a pretty high-level game for, for what they're all about, and, you know, the, the muff punt fumble that gave Texas a short field and a touchdown allowed them to have the game tied at the half. That and the, uh, the two-minute drill drive at the end of the first half made it 21-all at the intermission. Uh, then, you know, you feel like, okay, third quarter, we got, we got to make some adjustments, get, get our hands around this game. And the two turnovers allowed Washington to really dominate the third quarter and separate. Uh, but in the end, it comes down to, you know, four plays from the 12-yard line. And these will be, you know, plays that will be, you know, nitpicked and talked about in Longhorn land for a long, long time. Uh, on first down, uh, Quinn Ewers, when it was uh, complete, threw a quick pass over to Jaden Blue. Uh, his initial target on that play was uh, J.T. Sanders. He was double covered, so uh, I think Quinn did a nice, nice job of getting the ball to Jaden Blue to get out of bounds uh, just to stop the clock because right now you just can't take a negative play. You can't yeah. get tackled in bounds with no timeouts. So to get it to a safe place where Jaden could scamper out of bounds and stop the clock, second uh, down was an incomplete pass, tried to throw a – uh, a 50-50 ball to A.D. Mitchell, which was incomplete. And then, um, you know, incomplete to Jaden Blue uh, and hurried again by that pass rush. Because I, th- I thought on third and fourth down, Rod, um, I, was, I give credit to Washington in that spot because they brought pressure. They did not let Quinn Ewers drop back in a clean pocket and, and look for a receiver. They got after him, forced him to get rid of the ball quickly. And both the incomplete pass to uh, Jaden Blue and the incomplete pass to Adonai Mitchell, uh, Adonai Mitchell on the final play of the game for Texas was – was, um, you know, pressure in his face and a uh, better throw probably, you know, ends up as a touchdown. Yeah, it is almost fitting, right, that the one area or aspect of offense that's haunted Texas all season long has been red zone offense. And yep. <laughs> and to continue their season, they had to go down there and they had to exercise that demon in red zone offense, and they couldn't do it. Uh, and we, we saw their – uh, they had a really extraordinary performance red zone offense-wise versus Oklahoma State, and we talked about how that was out of character. We hoped that it was not an outlier or it was not an aberration. We had hoped it was them trending in the right direction. Scored five touchdowns in the red zone, 35 points, no field goal attempts in the red zone. Texas was money in the uh, in the money zone where you need to be. Uh, that was not necessarily the case versus Washington, and that's when they needed it. They needed that. They needed it. Uh, in that moment, and I don't necessarily think Sark, because we know Sark hasn't solved the red zone issue all season long. I think he just kind of accepted that they were bad at it. That's why Burt Auburn ended up being a first-team uh, All-Big 12 kicker. It's because they started kicking so many damn field goals, yeah. especially in the red zone. I, I will give I will give him a little out on it that you basically couldn't throw anything short of the goal line in those last three passes. So it was yeah, red zone, but you you could you had to throw everything in the end zone because we did he, they did get uh, the Byron Murphy touchdown. So they were able to score earlier in the game in the red zone. You you need to be able to do it. You, and I, I think, you know, with a month being planned for this, I would have liked to have seen a, a couple more looks that were maybe a little bit fancier than let's just throw it up to A.D. Mitchell and hope he makes a play. Yeah. If you get into that moment, I'd, you know, I'd like you to be in the position of, hey, if we have a shot to win this, you know, from the 15, from the 10, from the 5, we know what plays we have and we have – four or five different looks and we can get something out there and it, you know it, you can read if, if Xavier or JT or whoever's in single coverage get the ball but uh, it, that was somewhat dis- disappointing because they basically ran the same play that they scored the, first, the other touchdown on 
They yeah. said that worked once. Yeah. Let's do it again. That's what I'm saying. They, 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 he, you know, Sark didn't have any ideas. He was thinking players, not plays there. He yeah. didn't have any plays, and he's a play guy. He's exactly. a play designer. He's supposed to have a bag. We talk about his bag all the time. It's like Santa Claus's bag. It's supposed to be never-ending with all these great play designs and play concepts, and he really hadn't had anything for the red zone all season, and I think ultimately it came back to hunt him because, I mean, guys, you say what you want about the Texas offense, and, yes, they underperformed. But you d- you did have a chance. You did have uh, first and ten at the Washington thirteen with a minute nineteen left, and you needed to score a touchdown. And you know you needed one badly, right? The the game at that point is what you is thirty seven twenty eight. Washington with the lead, and you had to settle for a field goal there, right? Uh, and yeah. then you had uh, obviously when you got it back, shockingly, nobody expected you to get the ball back. You got it back. You had it first and ten on the Washington twelve. Uh, with 15 seconds left, with time, plenty of time to try to get the ball in the end zone, and you couldn't get in the end zone. Actually, the first time around, you actually got down to the seven. You had second and four at the Washington seven and had to settle for a field goal. Mm -hmm. Your red zone woes about being 119th or whatever you are in touchdown percent in the red zone, it came back to haunt you. It's also the reason you lost the Oklahoma game. I mean, Uh, that's red zone miscues, right? Yeah, well, at that point, you have to, to settle for the field goal on the first drive uh, that we're talking about right there is, is right on. I mean, Rod, I mean, that is you need to punch a touchdown in there, and then if you, you let Kalen DeBoer mismanage the clock like he did and his team and give you 50 seconds when it should have been 15, and instead you, all he needs is a field goal, and you, you walk off with a win if you could have scored on that previous drive. And then, you know, with the opportunity after the big Jordan Whittington 41-yard catch, uh, then a Jaden Blue catch that gets you down inside the 20-yard line, you've got four shots at it. And, again, I, you, I think you said it right. I think they chose plays, players, not plays. And clearly they were, they were trying to take away J.T. Sanders with, with, uh, with bracket coverage and X-Man. And that left A.D. Mitchell as uh, the guy getting one-on-one coverage in those spots. And both times they went to him, one was, uh, was incomplete. And then the, the fourth down play was there. I mean, if Quinn had had a little bit more time to step into that throw, I think it would, you know, a little more of a bullet pass would have been that back shoulder that we talked about. And in the end, it was uh, up too high, and the defensive back was able to, to jump and knock it down. And that's how the game ended for the Longhorns. 37-31, frustrating night here in New Orleans. Longhorn season comes to an end. Washington now 14-0, and they will play um, Michigan for the national championship. Speaking of that, Rod, before we get to your first rant of the morning, what'd you make of, uh, of the Michigan Alabama game? Obviously Michigan, you know, scrapped from 17, 13 down, got to, got the lead, got it to overtime. And in the end, uh, they made a play in overtime with Blake Corum's 17 yard touchdown run. Alabama was unable to punch it in with Jalen Milrow. And uh, speaking of play, uh, play calls, that's one that I think Nick Saban would like to have back with Tommy Reese with Jalen Milrow from the, uh, the three yard line. Yeah, I agree. I, I don't understand that play call. When you got, you know, a weapon like Jalen Miro, you would expect for, you know, the Alabama offense to want to force Michigan to defend every element of his skill set. And the thing that makes him most dangerous is when he drops back, not only do you have to defend, to defend the pass because he can throw it, he's a quarterback, but he's a lethal runner, maybe the fastest guy on the team for Alabama, and he's got some power to his running, right? He isn't, he's not necessarily an easy guy to bring down in the open field. And for them to just kind of go with an old-school quarterback in interior design run just didn't make any sense because you didn't force Michigan to have to recalibrate and defend multiple concepts. They defended one concept. We got to defend yep. the quarterback running. That's easy. And then it's, so it's, it's you know, go see ball, hit ball. Um, it should have been, oh, see him drop back. We got to defend in coverage. Oh, he has multiple options. Oh, he could go jump pass. He could run and throw all those different things. Give him the give him the football on the move. Uh, you know, flood one area of the field. Let him run to that area. Give him the option to run and throw. They didn't do any of that. That was a peewee league play. It really was. Mm-hmm. It was. Yeah. That was that was the Sark. We want to be able to run the ball when yeah. they when they know we want to run. And you can't do that on the game oh. deciding play like that. And not against a Michigan defense. No, they're, that they're, played that bullied you the whole game. Yes, that's the, that's what they want. They want that style of play. Come on, man. That was yeah. bad. Uh, 
Well, we, we knew these games would be you know, tough and tight and uh, evenly matched, and they were. And uh, in both cases, you know, Michigan wins on the, on the final play of the game. Washington wins on the final play of the game. Um, good stuff. Uh, well, frustrating stuff for the losing teams, but good stuff on the winning side. Hey, let's get to Rod's rant at 7.15, the first of two this morning. We're going to hear from Steve Sarkeesian coming up. We'll hear from some Longhorn players as well, including Quinn Ewers and A.D. Mitchell. What did happen on those final series and that final play that didn't allow the Longhorns to get a game-winning touchdown. But first, let's get the first rant of the morning. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. Find out what happens when people stop being polite and start getting real. You ain't keeping it real. My God, okay, it's happening. Everybody stay calm. Oh, oh you've done it now. It's time for Rod's rant of the day. Hold on to your butts. Obviously, that's a lot, I think, that uh, I could rant about, but I do want to say that uh, this team... Um, made me a believer, though, this season. I did not necessarily think they were going to be contending for a national title. I thought they'd win a Big 12 title, a national title. So I'll admit, they made me a believer. Sark also made me a believer, too, that Sark has got what it takes, that championship DNA. Um, this season, we've seen growth from Sark, winning the battle. Like I always, you know, uh, I was really confident in his ability to win the battle of game plan and preparation which actually I'm not sure he won in this game. <laughs> um, and, but what I, I think I was highly critical of was his um, inability to win the battle of adjustments, the chess match within the game. This season he has shown the ability to win both, the battle of game planning preparation and the chess match within the game. That being said, I do think he maybe lost both <laughs> in this contest. Uh, and simply put, I just think Texas got all coached. There's nothing wrong with that. It happens. I mean, you're not going to be perfect. This happened to everybody. Hell, Sark, Sark outcoached Nick Saban earlier this year. <laughs> it happens. Um, but I, I think he got outcoached, and I, I do think in, in, in a couple of different areas here. But first of all, can we discuss why the hell is Killen Robinson returning kicks with a cast on his arm? What? Why? Yeah, I don't I, – I didn't get that either, Rod. I mean, I understand maybe it's a culture thing, but – Yes, we, that kind of summed up really the game plan for me too. It's like that didn't make sense. That that really didn't make any sense at all. And after he, he dropped one of them early on, and and had to you know gather it up and then try to run, they left him out there and let him do it again. And he just kept leaving Keelan Robinson out there with a cast on his hand to catch punts. I'm like, what well, guys? He can't catch anything with a cast on his hand. That made I don't know I, I don't even know I, I, Longhorn fans I think were so frustrated that was like one of the minor things they were frustrated. Yeah, that's with. a month to prepare and wishful thinking. Yeah, <laughs> you had a month well, to prepare. That was it. Come on. Well, remember to start the game and early Jaden Blue was returning the kickoffs and was doing a real good job. I mean, he brought him brought the first couple out across the thirty yard line, and then it was Keelan Robinson back there, the the senior with the hand injury suffered here in New Orleans. Uh, in a workout, and yeah, that was that was questionable. You and I talked about it in the in-game watch, Rod, when there was a a fourth and short situation in the first half, no. uh, and and Texas, it's you know, good. Kalen DeBoer, it was fourth and short of, in their deep in their own territory. Kalen DeBoer came out to go for it and tried to draw Texas off sides, and you know they were going to go ahead and punt the ball, but saw that Tavondre Sweat and Byron Murphy were not on the field. Um, they saw Trill Carter and. Uh, and, uh, you know, Vernon Broughton at the tackle positions. Well, said, all right, well, if they're going to keep those guys on the field, let's go back out and run it. And they did. They got the first down. That's <laughs> questionable. I'm not sure why you don't have the, the Outland Trophy winner and the uh, You're right. the All-Big 12 defensive lineman of the year in a game on a fourth and short that could have been a critical game-changing play. If you get a stop there, you know, you've got the ball in a short field going in and a chance to, to, to seize the momentum. So, yeah, th- that was questionable. Um, the play calling in the it, it, from the twelve yard line with four 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 shots was questionable, and you know, but in the end, I you know I just went back and watched the the AD Mitchell incomplete pass rod on the final play again, and it was DJ Campbell who got beat uh, off the rush, and uh, that allowed uh, defensive lineman to get into Quinn Ewers' face. I mean that that play was there, it really was. AD Mitchell was was open and had the ability to catch the ball. Quinn has to deliver a better ball, but they also got to block it a little bit better up front. Um, you know, so give Washington credit. You mentioned Braylon Trice earlier, Rod, and, and the impact oh. he had on this game. I know you did as well. I mean, this guy, if Michael Penix was the, you know, the MVP on offense, without a doubt, with his 430-yard performance, is one of a, just an elite performance by him, high-level throws, avoiding the rush. Uh, Braylon Trice ended up with five tackles, three for loss, two sacks, a forced fumble. I mean, he was a game wrecker, Rod, and that was the guy. And the Longhorns didn't have a game wrecker on their side of the ball. 
No, that's a, and that's a great uh, point. I mean, Braylon tries. <laughs> I thought they would have a plan for him, and I think they did initially. Um, that plan was ineffective, uh, yep. especially considering what he did last season against you. He also had two sacks uh, versus Texas last season, and um, did he have a forced fumble? Did he, did he have a forced fumble in there too? He did. Yeah, yep, he did. Man. He, he got credit for the forced fumble on the. Uh, the the CJ Baxter uh, wow. fumble uh, in the start the second second the third quarter yeah all of their first round guys showed up uh, and I think Braylon Trice will be will sneak into the bottom of the first I don't know how he's gonna test he may end up being a second round guy but he's got first round kind of potential Michael Penix Romeo Dunze, Romeo Dunze uh, all those guys had huge games uh, okay real quick this is something that kind of it grinded my gears it upset me a little bit because I mentioned this several times leading up to the game how last season against uh, against Washington in the Alamo Bowl, we didn't see a lot of Sark's creativity. Uh, His game plan lacked innovation. Honestly, it was a lazy, kind of boring game plan just because it didn't even have uh, the variety of personnel groupings in it. There was no two tailback sets, no 6-0 line package. This game, he actually broke it out in the script. I'm not, I don't know if he's been listening to me, but uh, he's been listening to somebody over there who's giving him the, some great data about two tailback sets and pony packages because after last season he didn't use it. This season, even with Jonathan Brooks being hurt, even with Keelan Robinson being out uh, offensively, even though you got him back there returning kicks, even with those guys being unavailable and Keelan Robinson being your most explosive uh, uh, threat in the backfield, Jonathan Brooks being your best overall player in the backfield, Post Bijan and post Rojo, two tailback sets, pony package, steal your most effective, most explosive, and most efficient personnel package all season long. Highest yards per rush, highest yards per attempt, highest yards per play, and highest explosive play rate. You guys have heard me talking about this for the last two years, so I'm sure you're tired of it. And I'm sure it has made its way up to Sark somehow. I guarantee somebody's brought it up because somebody out there has got to be listening. In his opening script, and by the way, did you hear the update that Sark scripts now is his first forty plays? Did y'all hear that? Wow. Did you hear that on the on the broadcast? No, when I do the in-game watch route, I turn the sound almost all the way down, so I could just talk and talk through it. But oh, no, I did not hear that. Sark, I, I, I might have had the the Longhorn Network okay, Craig Way okay. call on some, well, some I, of that game yes, too. Yes, uh, no, you guys, that's right. You should. I did my rewatch this morning. Um, so I basically didn't get any sleep. They did the rewatch this morning, and the woman on the report, the sideline reporter, I forget her name, George, is it Katie George, something like that? Uh, she said Sark scripts his first 40 plays of, of standard <laughs> standard downs, basically, uh, for the game. First 40. Remember, it used to be 20. He said it was 20 yeah. his first like year and first two years. So he's went from 20 to 40. He that wow. go go listen to it. She had to, I'm gonna try to go get the excerpt, but she said I remember because it stood out, and it was like four in the morning. I was like, what? I wasn't sleepy because now I'm riding a high of no sleep. I'm just you know just pointing all nighter. And she said he scripted in forty plays. I'm like forty plays. That is highly irregular. And I don't know. That's a little bit. That uh, may be a little bit too extreme. Now, I'm not, I don't even know if you need to be doing that. I think you need to be focused on being better at adjustments in the game rather than scripting 40 plays. But I digress. That's not what I'm upset about. I'm upset about the two tailback sets and the pony package because I've been say, telling you guys for the last year and a half it's the best personnel grouping that Sark utilizes and deploys. And I've gone on rants about how this is the case all across football. Even gave you guys a quote from Nick Saban saying it's troublesome for him because teams don't play up against it. He remarked last season that uh, Tennessee lined up in an I formation and he had to call a timeout because the defense didn't know what to do because they hadn't seen it. They don't see this. They don't see two tailback sets in practice. They don't see two back sets in practice at all. And that's why the channel runs it in the NFL and it gives a lot of teams, it gives them a lot of grief because they just don't have practice against it. And and it's very unique, even though it's retro. It's an old school concept. Well, the new spin on it is, you know, put two tailbacks there. They're not a traditional fullback in your 21 personnel, two backs, one tight end. So for Texas in this game, they came out, I believe it's the second drive of the game, if I'm not mistaken. We were watching the game together, E. Uh, so you may uh, correct yeah, me it was, on that. It was the second drive. It was the second drive. Second You're drive right of the that. game. They come out, run the pony package. On the entire drive, they're just running two tailback sets. It's beautiful. I mean, I feel like I want to play the genuine song. It's my pony. <laughs> let's do it. I feel like we should play that in the stadium next time they run the pony package. They go down, they score a touchdown. Guys, 
they ran, I believe it was seven plays. They averaged 10 yards per play, essentially, on that drive, running the football and throwing the football. And then we don't see it the rest of the game, but two plays. The entire game, rest of the game. Guys, they averaged over 10 yards per play. Got to play the hits. Play the hits. 13 and a half yards per attempt, you average running the pony package. I mean, it was, it's just as. Is just as productive and just as efficient as it's been all year long as it was last season. Guys, last season it was your best personal grouping, yards per attempt, yards per play, yards per rush, and even in your – I take it back. It was not yards per rush. It wasn't yards per rush, but yards per attempt, yards per play, and explosive play rate. And that was the case in 2021 when you looked at yards per, uh, yards per play and yards per attempt. So it does track, even post-Bijan and post-Rojo. I've been throwing it out there, and I know Sark, he understands this because he used it in his script. Early on in the game, he saw the effectiveness of it. He saw it. Seven plays, right down the field, touchdown, and he didn't run it again, basically, but two plays the entire game. I don't know why he won't play the hits. I mean, Zan is forever, guys. He won't do it. He does, he does not like to play the hits. I'm sure at home he doesn't eat leftovers either. I don't know why Sark <laughs> won't just use and just get to re, you know what I mean? Go back to a good thing. It's a good thing, man. Oh, just a fridge full of good just, old yeah, leftovers. Just throws out, just throws out really nice stuff from the steakhouse. He never he don't like leftovers. He don't like leftovers. He don't like syndicated show. He don't like reruns. He don't like any of that stuff. He don't watch any reruns. Everything's got to be new for Sark. Brand new. What's your favorite movie? Only seen it once. <laughs> exactly. What is happening He's here? He's the opposite of Joe Missoula. Can you guys? <laughs> Seriously, can well, you guys explain this? I don't. I will. Well, my, I will my, tell my, you my. this. I will tell you this real quick. Texas ran thirty-six offensive plays in the first half. Four of those were punts. So if he scripted forty, he went into halftime with some left. <laughs> Yeah, and they only ran they only ran seventy some plays for the game. I think right at seventy oh. uh, for the football game. Come on. Well, look, I mean, again, I'll defend Sark a little bit on this. That uh, I think I do think the third quarter was going to be his way of, of establishing the run game and trying to use that line of scrimmage advantage that they had. But they only ran five plays in the quarter, uh, and you know his his running backs both fumbled the ball. Um, you know that that cost you the opportunity to establish, and by the time you got the ball back, you were down 13 points because your defense couldn't stop Michael Penix, and all of a sudden you're trailing 34-21 uh, with, a, with a touchdown and two field goals, and next thing you know, you're, you're, you're in a deep hole in the fourth quarter. So uh, you know, only five third-quarter plays don't allow you to get to much in that spot. Got to hold on to the football, but I, I do agree with your overall point, Rod, with, uh, with Sark. I will say this, though. First half, taking quarterback runs out of it, taking the Byron Murphy run out of it, and taking the two-minute drill out of it, all right? Let's look at quarterback – let's look at, sorry, running back runs, traditional runs and handoffs in the first, in the first half. Guys, they were averaging eight – they're trying to go with eight yards per rush. But yeah. they're just handing off the ball to running backs. Throughout the game, Baxter and Blue were at 6.8 yards per rush. So before he had an opportunity, before the players had an opportunity to blow it with those fumbles, and then obviously Sark is insecure about the running game after that and probably dis- a lot of distrust in his running back room at that point, and I totally get it. Before that, though, He's dominating on the ground and had a chance to play keep away, and he did not because it's in his nature. What I tell you about the scorpion and the frog, I mean, said it's in his nature. He wants to throw the ball. And you know who knows that? Defensive coordinator from Washington. He wants to throw the ball. Let's, let's force him to do something he don't want to do, which is run the ball. They gave it to him, as Patrick said. He didn't want to take it. You know, only uh, only 18 true running plays are handed off to running backs. They did hand it to Byron Murphy one time, but only 18 on the night. And the Longhorns uh, lose by 6, 37-31. We'll pick it up on the other side. We will hear from Sark coming back. Also hear from Quinn Ewers and some of the other Longhorns. Jalen Ford on uh, the loss and the end of a, of, a, of a great career for that young guy. Uh, we'll talk about the future coming for Texas as well. We'll get some bullish or BS before the top of the hour. It's a special. Uh, day after the new year, Thanksgiving or, uh, uh, recap edition of Hook'em Up with Ian Rod B. I'm live in New Orleans. Thanks to our friends at Hay City Store and Taste on Main in downtown Buda. We're coming right back on a Tuesday morning. The recap, uh, bumming Blue Tuesday for sure from New Orleans and Austin here on Hook'em Up with Ian Rod B.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Appreciate everybody weighing in early this morning on a uh, disappointing loss for the Longhorns, 37-31. This is Jaden Blue's fumble was in the fourth quarter. That is correct. Uh, C.J. Baxter's fumble came on the first Longhorn offensive play of the third quarter. That was after Washington had come out and taken the ball down the field and put the ball in the end zone. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's how the third quarter started was Michael Penix and that uh, Washington offense you know, reestablishing control of the game, coming out of the half. And that's why that Longhorn touchdown right before the half was so critical to, to tie the game. Uh, but the game got away from Texas really in that third quarter into the fourth quarter because uh, the touchdown to start the half uh, and the third quarter, and then Cedric Baxter fumbled the ball uh, on the first play of uh, the third quarter for Texas offensively. Uh, ball comes loose and recovered, forced by Braylon Trice, by the way, uh, recovered by the, the Washington Huskies. Uh, and then that led to a field goal. Defense did a nice job there of a forcing, you know, sudden change, you know, defense to, to, to force the field goal. So now it's 31-21. Uh, and then to your point, Rod, is the Longhorns, I, I think that that point is when they would like to, even though you're down 10, still trying to run the ball. The next drive they started at the 729 mark. Uh, they handed off to Jaden Blue, 16-yard gain. And then another handoff to Jaden Blue for five yards up to the 41-yard line. Then you get a false start, and uh, that Kelvin mm-hmm. Banks, and it moves it back five yards. You throw a pass to, to Donnie Mitchell for five yards, then then Quinn Ewers passes incomplete, hurried by Braylon Trice again, and you punt. Washington goes down, kicks another field goal, and at that point now we're into the fourth quarter, and you know you're down, um, you know, 13, and that's when the the Jaden Blue fumble happened. The Jaden Blue fumble did not lead to points for Washington; it just took the ball out of your hands, and yep. it, it took another scoring opportunity away from you. And, you know, at that point, that's where you can say fourth quarter became you almost have to abandon the run because you're trying to get back in the football game. And it almost worked. The Longhorns came all, almost came all the way back. And in the mm-hmm. end, an incomplete pass to A.D. Mitchell. Can we hear from Steve Sarkeesian uh, after this game? Here was his initial thought uh, when, he, when he got to the podium after the Longhorns season came to an end. 12-2, and two, Big 12 Conference champions, but a heartbreaking loss in the, conference, in the uh, national semifinal. I think, first of all, uh, you know, I'll go backwards, but the resiliency our team showed uh, in that fourth quarter uh, to find a way to have an opportunity to win the game, I think is indicative of the character that we have on this team and the men that we have in that locker room. Uh, those guys are fighters. They fought together. Uh, as, as bleak as it looked there, they never gave, you know, gave up hope and, and they believed. And I think that's how you give yourself a chance in the end. Um, I feel for them because of I know how much they poured into this uh, entire season. Uh, but like I told them in the locker room, you know, we came into this season to be champions, and they are. They're Big 12 champions, and they should be very proud of that. Uh, they were they were a second away from from playing for a national championship, and so there's a lot to be proud of on this football team. Uh, unfortunately, in the game, you know, we we dug ourselves a hole uh, with some self-inflicted wounds. Um, and, and give credit to Washington. They played a very good game. Uh, you know, the Penix got hot. They made some plays, some big plays down the field. Um, and, and when they extended the lead, you know, we, we got a little bit out of game plan to try to fight our way back into it. Uh, but we found a way to get a couple stops and, and force some field goals, uh, that gave us a chance to get back into the game. Uh, but in the end, uh, came up short. And, but, but there's nothing to hang our heads about. You know, these guys fought. And I'm very, very proud of the effort that they put into it. All right, there's Steve Sarkeesian last night. Had to come out of game plan a little bit. And, yeah, that third yeah. quarter is where it got away from Texas. Uh, an even game. And, you know, Washington dominated a, about a 15- or 16-minute stretch against Texas and built a 13-point lead that became the, uh, the, the, the insurmountable number for Texas. Yeah, I mean, I, I think he's right about that. Uh, Texas had to get out of their game plan, especially when you go down double digits um, to any opponent. There's – 
and not, maybe not panic, but there's definitely urgency um, that sets in with the play caller and with the team. And not only that, as a coach, you're looking at your defense, which can't figure out how to stop Michael Penix. <laughs> so on top yeah. of the urgency of your situation that you're down double digits, you got to score, and you right now don't have a way to um, you know remedy your biggest issue, which is how do you defend uh, Michael Penix in that passing game? So I think I understand why they abandoned the running game later in, in the game. I totally get that in the second half. My criticism would be you had a chance early on in terms of your feel of the game. I always talk about a coach's feel of the game. I think Sark should have felt that running game working earlier. And, under, and, and felt also that his defense was getting exposed earlier, way before we start to notice it and way before we start to, you know, point it out as a trend. As a coach, he should see it. And he should yeah. – and, and automatically, right after that first quarter with enough of a sample size, it should have clicked and Sark said, all right, man, to hell with my, my game plan. I, I thought that I was the smartest person. That's the thing about football, right? <laughs> football, like life. All right. It's oftentimes it is a struggle between what we want to be and what we need to be in order to survive. Everybody wants to be something in life, but you got to pay bills. Right? You got responsibilities and obligations. You got what things you, you, have, you need to be in order to survive. Sark wants to be. He wants to go out there and I think he wants to throw it on early downs. He wants to get Quinn in the grooving with him and have Quinn build on that, 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 that fantastic performance, the best game he's ever played in that Oklahoma State game, which is a month ago. Didn't happen. The long layoff obviously affected his rhythm and his timing, and he was a little bit off. The passing game was a little bit off. The running game wasn't. He was gashing them in the running game. And as Patrick mentioned, you go look at the, look at the, the numbers advantage. And you know how you know Patrick is right about the numbers advantage that they were giving you to? Because Texas ran a lot of RPOs early. And they were in the RPO game, they were, they were throwing it early on, right? They were throwing it in early on. And then they started handing off on those RPOs. So I think some of the RPOs were predetermined to start. But then they started actually running one. And I think they were reading the box. And they started handing off. And that's why they were getting such big gains in running the football with the RPO game because the RPO game is simply reading how many guys are in the box. Do you have the numbers advantage? And Texas was having the numbers advantage. That's why in the RPO game they were handing it off and getting chunk yards because Washington was giving it to them because they were defending uh, the pass and they were airing to, to allocate resources toward coverage. I think Sark miscalculated there, man. I think and, and that not, was your chance to control the game a little better and play keep away. Yeah, and not only you know going after – you know, going after the pass game in the secondary, but the defensive line was pass rushing. Which, I mean, if Braylon Trice is going to pass rush you all game, run right past him. Also true. I mean, that's another point is, you know, you're not even – you're saying if they're going to pass rush and drop guys back, then you should be able to run the ball. And so you can't just keep trying to throw as, you know, when Braylon Trice is continuing to get pressure on you, run right past him. I mean, that's – we've seen that is the, the recipe to beat the Cowboys – is run right past Micah Parsons, run right past them. It's the same concept. You say, if they have a really good pass rusher, make him not be able to do that by exposing his rushing by running the ball make past him, him. Make him a run suffer. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Well, I'm looking, I think in the end, you know, as we drill down on this game for the next you know, five hours, four hours, and then and recap it, I mean, at the end of the day, Michael Penix was the best player on the field and threw for 430 yards. Braylon Trice was probably the second best player on the field, and he yep. delivered the pass rush and the pressure on that side. Those two guys stepped up in a big way. And, you know, people are talking about the secondary rod and giving up you know, over 400 yards. Look, we talked for a month that this is the best passing offense in the country. This is the best quarterback the Longhorns will have faced all year. A good set of receivers. They're going to score. They're mm-hmm. going to move the ball. Uh, and I think both of us had this same conversation, Rod. I mean, how many points is it going to take to beat Washington? I think both of us said 35-plus. They're going to have to go over 35 to win the game. Yep. 31 wasn't going to be enough. I, if you had told me that before the game, can Texas win this game with 31 points, I would have said, no, I don't think they can do that. I think they're going to need 35-plus in this game, and they – Dang near got there. Obviously, if they execute better and can complete a pass there from the 11 or 12-yard line in that final series, they would have gotten to 38, and 38 would have beat 37. Uh, But in the end, they didn't convert that. In the end, 31 points, not enough. But as far as the defense goes, Rod, I mean, it's one of those, you're not going to hear Sark throwing players under the bus, but they they understand as a staff they have to get better in coverage as a program. They've got to get more pressure on the quarterback as a program. And that's being addressed through the the acquisition of talent, right? That's Mm -hmm. being addressed through recruiting, where they're bringing in five-star cornerback Kobe Black. They're bringing in five-star safety Xavier Filsamy. They've gone and gotten Andrew Makuba out of the transfer portal. They've got Trey Moore, the UTSA pass rusher, who had 14 sacks last year. Uh, But look, 
tip your cap to a great player. I mean, Michael Penix, because some of the guys said they had 400-plus yards and no pressure. Look, they had pressure. Ethan Burke came clean on, a, on, a, on, on the touchdown pass there in the, in the second quarter, Rod, uh, that popped yeah, up in did. the air and then was recaught. I mean, Ethan Burke came unblocked. Untouched. And had him dead to rights, and Michael Penix stepped up in the pocket, made a play, threw a touchdown pass. To me, that play is what is, resonates in my head is kind of the frustration in this game for Texas that – it was right there. I mean, the, you, you, you've got a sack, you've got a chance, and that, that would have sit, put them into a, into a you know, not, you know, kind of you know, third, long third down play. Instead, it goes for a touchdown because you don't take the right angle, you don't break down properly. That's, there was pressure, but you give a, you know, a, a great quarterback credit for being able to avoid it when the Longhorns did bring it. Yeah, I think I'm at, at this point, I, um, you know, I, I'm going to be critical of Texas because that's part of my job, and that's the way sure. I look at football as a football theorist. I am really proud of this team, so I mm-hmm. watched, I watched the team, I, I watched that game and the re, uh, the rewatch with uh, some joy in my heart after a loss, which usually I do not have, um, because I, I understand what they've accomplished, and I, I, Longhorn fans should be and are really proud of that. Um, but man, you you had a, you had a chance <laughs> to, yeah. to 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 beat Washington because Washington they allowed you they 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 made some mistakes and you played gritty enough even though you did not play close to your best game you played gritty enough to have a shot there in the fourth quarter and to me it's like I said it's almost Shakespearean that your red zone offense came back to haunt you the one the, that that one Shakespearean flaw you've had all season long and you've been able to win games in spite of it uh, and even though you've been like 119th in the country in touchdown percentage in the red zone you've been able to survive and it hasn't killed you because you're so explosive offensively you got so many weapons, but the two games you lost this year came down to you making crucial mistakes and not being able to score touchdowns in the red zone, Oklahoma, and this game against Washington. So it's you know to, to me, I'm, I'm starting to give more props to Washington because Michael Penix was phenomenal and Braylon Trice phenomenal, and when we watched the NFL draft. And all three of those guys, Romeo Dunes included, are drafted in the first round. I think Longhorn fans will feel a little bit better about this loss because you'll realize, no, nah, man, those are those are just three NFL guys, uh, three NFL yeah. players with first round talent that decided to they wanted to come back to school and make something special happen. Um, that's 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 why they got good football character and they got a good culture too. Yeah, and and you know that offensive line. You know, it was a thing of what, were they really the, the best offensive line or was the Pac-12 just not the rush? And we saw they, they, you know, even when guys got passed, they were able to direct them where they needed to go to work in flow with Michael Penix to allow him this space to get out and either run the ball, which he did a few times, which I know, Rod, you talked about of breaking tendency yep. and moving the ball. And, you know, they, you know, you just ran into some guys that played really good football at the right time and you see it when a guy doesn't win the Heisman, and you know as much people talk about it. Michael Penix Jr. He came out there fully for- focused on mm-hmm. making the point that he was the best quarterback in college football, and it's hard to argue it after that game. Yeah, he played really good, made some high-level throws, avoided the rush when it was there, and uh, uh, directed a, a win. And now they'll you know, put a chip on their shoulder and go play Michigan because they're already established as an underdog in that game. Uh, that's kind of the role that Washington has played all year long, even though they have the longest win streak in the country. At 21 games in a row now, uh, their last loss was last October 8th when they lost a game to Arizona State. All right, we'll come back. When we do, we will uh, pick up the Bullish or BS. We'll hear more from the Longhorn players, Jalen Ford, also Quinn Ewers. Uh, Jalen Ford playing his final game as a Longhorn last night. Quinn Ewers likely coming back. We'll talk more about that as we move forward. We'll take your thoughts. The text line is open, 512-447-3776. It's our day after. Recap, Texas and Washington. Huskies win it, 37-31. We're coming back on Hook'em Up with Ian Rod B. Patrick Davis joining as well. Live with you on a Tuesday morning, day two of the new year, 2024. Not starting in the way Longhorn fans had hoped. And uh, nail-biter to the end. And you just heard Steve Sarkeesian talking about despite self-inflicted wounds and uh, turnovers in the second half, penalties uh, in the first half. Uh, they kind of derailed the, the rhythm of this offense in the end. The Longhorns had... Uh, you know, first down and 10 from the 11-yard line and a chance to, to potentially get a game-tying touchdown that uh, with a point after would have been a, a thrilling 38-37 victory. Kind of felt like the way this team has come up big in clutch moments that that may happen last night. But, Rod, as we talked about all month leading up to this game, uh, to wind down the new year or the old year and into the new, 
Washington also has that clutch gene. Uh, they, they, they find ways to win football games. They have for 21 in a row now. And in the end, that was the, uh, the battle there where the Longhorns have found ways to win tough games all year long. Uh, Washington has, has found ways to keep their win streak alive, and those two met on those four plays, and you give Washington credit. And I uh, I, I get your football theorist thoughts on this. I, I credit Washington for pressuring Quinn Ewer. Sometimes coaches will lay back and you know, let the four-man pressure try to get there and play coverage. Uh, you go back and look at third and fourth down. Brought extra people, and they got into Quinn Ewer's face, and they forced him to, to make quick decisions and um, ended up you know, winning the football game. Yeah, I think what I admired about, and I kept trying to, you know, at least warn anybody who would listen that you got to stay out of third and long versus this team. That's that's yep. really where they get exotic. That's where Washington um, they dial up a lot of uh, kind of funky pressure packages, and they did that against Texas. Go back and look at all the all the third and longs, and Texas had twelve third or fourth and longs that they tried to convert. I'm oh, sorry, they had third and fourth downs to try to convert seven of those were third and fourth and long so they had 12 i think it's 11 third downs uh that was at last fourth and 11 i think they tried to convert the end of the game so that's 12 total money downs that they tried to convert and more than half of those were third and fourth and long situations they were not going to be able to survive that way and what essentially that Washington would do, and it was really smart. Once they knew Texas was in a predictable passing situation, they'd bring up six or seven guys all lined up across the line of scrimmage. That's what that, that, that amoeba front I've mentioned, or ghost front, um, and they'd line up all the guys across the line of scrimmage, and then they would run simulated pressures and or twists and stunts with those simulated pressures. Looks like a blitz, but it's actually not a blitz, and they would bring second and even third-level pressures with that simulated pressure, and sometimes they would just have four guys back, or they would drop three um, from the uh, from the front line or from the defensive front, and they would rush four. Or you would see them just blitz. They just blitz five or six guys from that front. Either way, they kept Texas' uh, f- uh, offensive line on their heels, and they even moved Braylon Trice around a couple of times. When they put him in the B gap, they'd go that double barrel blitz, put him in the B or the A gap, and try to find him a favorable matchup. They. They did a really good job of getting Texas in third and long. And when they did, and there were times they were so desperate to get Texas in third and long situations, they started run blitzing on early downs. They started running those amoeba fronts on second down. And once they got Texas in second and long, because Texas, I believe in the first, if you go look at the first quarter, at one point in their first quarter, they're averaging on first down um, 2.9 yards per play. Yeah, which means they were in second uh, and long constantly, and then init- and then in- in- inevitably in third and long. And at at, early, at later in the game, you saw Washington forcing the issue, run blitzing on early downs, and then running those funky simulated pressures and amoeba fronts uh, even on second down. That's how confident they got. Usually, you only run that stuff when you know a team's going to throw. They knew Texas was going to throw because Texas not only was down, they had essentially abandoned the run anyway. Uh, I, I agree with 100% about Braylon Trice moving him around. They had him on the left side against Kelvin Banks. They had him on the right side where he you know, went to work on uh, Christian Jones a time or two last night. And, yes, they brought him right up the middle uh, through that, that B-gap to, to, to force a, a sack in that game uh, of his two sacks, his three tackles for loss. He was a game wrecker against the Longhorns last night. Uh, but, Patrick, you said it earlier, when you had the ball from the 11-yard line with three tries, you, you can't throw a ball not in the end zone, right, and you can't get tackled outside the end zone without a timeout. So, I mean, technically uh, Washington was aware of that. Uh, they were going to bring pressure at Quinn uh, to force him to release the ball quicker and get it out of his hand, but it had to go to the end zone, right? I mean, you couldn't risk not getting uh, the touchdown on those spots, so I give them a lot of credit. But that was frustrating because, to Rod's point about red zone offense, if you have a play there, if you have one play to, to create uh, a sep- you know, some separation, and then I, I do think in the end the play to, to A.D. Mitchell was there had Quinn Ewers had a half a second more to step into that throw and deliver it. Um, you know, it kind of sailed on him a little bit to A.D. Mitchell on the final play of the game. Yeah, and you also know a sack ends the game. Because yeah, like, So, you know, when you know that as Washington, you know that as Texas, that you can't take the sack, any pressure at all is going to make Quinn get that ball out very quickly because he understands that, you know, he has to get this ball out. Uh, and, you know, it just it, – it was it, – it, you wanted to see a little bit more creativity that it wasn't, you know, just throwing the same play you already had, which was fine because, you know, we just complained about Sark not playing the hits. And he said, well, that one just worked. We'll throw it again. 
Uh, but to expect A.D. Mitchell to make two, the the fact that Xavier Worthy just seemed like maybe he wasn't fully healthy or fully able to do what he normally does because we've seen him in past when they get down the red zone in past years especially uh, be able to create some separation and make really great plays in the end zone. Uh, we know J.T. Sanders was getting banged up by the end of that game as well. It may have just come down to everyone else is pretty hurt right now and pretty banged up in this game, and we trust A.D. Mitchell. He feels – He's he's the one that was on the play before the touchdown, was bat, hitting his chest saying, get yeah, me the ball. And they said, fine, let's get him the ball. This guy, he's shown he, he knows how to work in championship games and in playoff games. Big games, yep. Well, I mean, I think to me, I mean, you got man coverage and you got your you know best touchdown scorer in my mind. He's your best yeah. red zone option uh, in man coverage. And really the throw just wasn't there. And whether yeah. it was the pressure, I mentioned that DJ Campbell kind of got beat off the snap uh, on, you know, on that play. And uh, that guy, that, that defensive lineman got into Quinn's face and uh, he really couldn't step into it. But again, the ball sailed. And if it's a better throw, it's a touchdown. And Texas is, you know, kicking an extra point to try to win this game. What a difference that would be. That's how close this game was, despite all the mistakes by the Longhorns. Hey, can we guys, can we hear from, uh, from Jalen Ford uh, here this morning, of course? I mean, the, there's a bunch of Longhorns who this was their last game last night. And obviously we'll learn over the, the coming days and weeks uh, which Longhorns are intending to head off to the NFL. I think we can have our speculation of who. But uh, Jalen Ford is one of those seniors who led this program, was here when Steve Sarkeesian and this staff got here, bought in, stuck with it, and he became the, the real leader and captain of the defensive side. Here's Jalen Ford last night. A disappointing loss, but a team that uh, a lot of Longhorn fans can be proud of. Uh, I just told him I was proud of him. Uh, kind of like what Coach is saying, like, you know, uh, this whole year we sacrificed a lot and um, in order to build this team into the way we wanted it. And, you know, I, I think, like he said, at the end of that, like, uh, we, we went all the way uh, up into the last play. And, you know, I'm just proud of my guys for never giving up. Uh, not once did I ever believe that, you know, until that clock hit zero, that we didn't have a chance. So. All right, there's Jalen Ford, Rod, and you said you rewatched this game at four o'clock this morning with uh, you know some some joy in your heart about the grit and the fight and the culture the program has, and now you want to hold on to that because now it's about the future for Texas. You do like the uh, the foundation that's been laid by guys like Jalen Ford and Tavondre Sweat moving forward. The the guys that are here have to keep it, but at the same time. You know, at the end of the game, uh, Rod, last night, the, I think the more experienced team with the more experienced quarterback um, won the football game. Uh, mm-hmm. And, you know, but now you're Texas and now you have a chance. You'll go into the SEC next year with a, you know, Quinn Ewers, when, when he announces officially whether he's coming back or not, I think he is going to come back. You'll have a, a third-year starting quarterback headed into the SEC with a veteran offensive line and a lot of pieces that have learned a lot about uh, culture this season. Yeah, no, you're right about that. And I think the challenge for uh, the, the veterans will be just to pass it down, right? Pass down those lessons. Make sure that the uh, young players understand the standard that has now been set uh, and understand how fragile the culture is uh, and how the guys have to kind of dedicate themselves and commit themselves to cultivating that culture. And that's about habits, right? That's about your everyday habits. You don't go in um, trying to check boxes uh, to you know, f- to figure out what ingredients uh, it's going to take, what uh, what what players need to do, what roles they need to play so that you have a great culture. Um, culture is about everybody every day having positive habits, having uh, habits that are going to help the team win football games and get better. And that's what this group did. And that's an everyday challenge. And that's why, you know, a lot of these guys that are leaving are so special because they were they were focused on the process and not the product. The product took care of itself, but you have to become obsessive about the process, which is an everyday grind of getting up, working out, watching film, practicing when you practice, all of that stuff. That's football's a game where you practice way more than you play. You're gonna work out way more than you practice. You gotta become obsessed about obsessive about those types of things and that process. And I know the older guys are. We gotta make sure the younger guys are too. Yeah, and what was the Sark line? We are who we are some of the time is who we are all of the time. All the damn time. That's exactly right. And that's what Sark would say, and that's the culture. That is yeah, the culture. Yeah, that's Amen. right. 
Well, and, and we'll hear it coming up. We're going to play a good chunk of Sark's uh, full postseason, postgame news conference. I know Longhorn fans waking up this morning want to hear from the coach on what he thought, what went wrong. We'll hear that coming up. Uh, in it, I think you'll hear Sark talk about the process, right? And it's a 12-month process. It starts mm-hmm. in January. It starts with winter workouts. It leads into spring. It's all summer long. It's, it's the, 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 the outcome is based on what starts here coming up for the Longhorns. With As we've talked about, 21 new players coming in because of the early enrollees and the portal players. They'll add a lot of pieces to this roster. They'll also lose a lot of pieces from this roster who will move on to the next phase of their their football journey and football career we'll come back we'll reset those headlines we'll also hear that rod will have another behind the burn orange curtain we'll uh, hit some off the record as well as we are cranking up 2024 unfortunately the football season over for the longhorns Uh, we'll talk more about it as we move forward it's kind of our hook them up tuesday morning edition but also a longhorn postmortem as we wrap it up longhorns lose 37 31 live in new orleans live in austin it's hook them up with ian rod b patrick davis joining us this morning